Hello and welcome to Alan and Overy's launch. My name is Bianca Vasilake, and I will be your host on the podcast for demystifying both the process of getting into law and where this career might take you. Today's episode is Partnership 101. The journey is what you make it. And in order to answer questions about the route to partnership, we have with us today one of the new partners at ANO, Will Semengo Turner, who is in the corporate department and does a lot of work with tech companies. Thank you very much for joining us today, Will. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, and now, just to kind of clarify for our audience, what is the role of a partner on a deal in a team or in a law firm more generally? Just starting with the basics now. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a multifaceted role, um, and it's it, it covers a number of different areas. In some ways, you are a cheerleader for your team. In others, you're kind of the captain. In others, you are there to help train and to to promote the team, um, and you're also there to make sure that people don't get into trouble and into risks and to and to and to and get getting. Get, to get people out of trouble as well. Yeah. Um, so it's it, you are taking in the whole business of the practice as one and and leading it um, and helping shape the direction of the practice. You know where do you want to focus on marketing, and also focus on you know who do you want in the team and and there's a pastoral element as well of making sure that the the team is is well happy and is developing. And why did you want to become a partner? And have you ever considered, I don't know, being taking another career path? I think what to, to answer the, the the first question, um, I enjoyed. The, I've always enjoyed the job, um, and I think there's a natural. Uh, at least maybe not natural, but for some people, myself included, if you enjoy the thing you're doing, you you continue to climb through it and you want to get to the top of the thing and then and yeah. have more control. Um, and I think a lawyer's life as they go through their PQE over the years, you do change um, and get more control as, as the years go by, um, partly because you have more experience and your more responsibility comes with that experience um, and, and also more confidence. So... Um, and I have always found the gradations of responsibility and independence to be very satisfying. So that you know, when I was a trainee, this as soon as I was allowed to work um, directly with clients, I found that very satisfying. When I became an associate and I was out doing my own marketing, I equally found that exciting. And then being out on the road and um, secondments and what have you, that that was all very exciting too. So it made it was a natural. Um, conclusion um for for for, for me in, that, in in that regard um in terms of thinking about other stuff and had i looked uh, looked around yes i think you owe it to yourself in any industry any profession regardless of where you are in the world to take a take stock not you know, every day, but you know, on a on a Wake on a, a set. Yes, exactly. Like, Am I, I still want to do today? <laughs> is it still worth going to work? Yeah. Hopefully, the answer is yes. Um, the no, you you take you take. I used to take regular stock. I'd have check ins with um, mentors in particular, and and external mentors too, to to occasionally say, well, it's two years since I had to last think about this, am I in the direction that I want to be going? You know, where where do I want to be in another two years' time? And 
And in that, that period, yes, I looked at jobs in-house, I looked at other firms because you do and you should and you should always have always have a plan B. Um, I would tell every client to have a plan B and preferably a plan C and a D too. Um, but also it, it, it helps validate your decision to continue working at the place you are. If you've looked at the outside world and thought, nah, actually there's some great jobs out there and some great opportunities, but this is where I want to be for now. That helps you commit to the things you're doing um, in the office. So it's more of a choice rather than just being in the inertia of the job, I guess. Yeah, there is no no point going to work if you're not bringing your best self every day. And that is part of, you know, that you, you have to know that you want to be doing it in order to do that, in, at least in my view. I mean, that's a very reasonable view to take. I would be surprised if it was something else. But it kind of brings me to the next question, which is how early do you have to know or at least start thinking about the fact that you want to make partner and start having those conversations with the right people? I think um, it's not necess not necessarily a thing you think about very early. Uh, there is obviously you 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 look at the people running the business and you think is that the job I want in the long run? Maybe, um, but the better advice I was always given is to my mind at least, is to look at the next rung up the ladder and see if that's what you still want to be doing. You know, is, is, is the person who you are reporting into or you're working with who's more senior than you doing a job that you want? Um, and so that's kind of at the, the immediate point of time. I think there comes a point when you become a senior associate and you start, and that's the point, I think, when you, know, you get a lot more control of you, over a lot more responsibility. Um, and you're expected to start thinking about what your business might look like. And as partners, each of us has, you know, we, we, we are, many of us are, are, are multi kind of ability partners who do lots of different things. Yeah. Um, but we also will have business focuses. So the tech sector, as you mentioned, is, is my primary focus and in particular working in companies over in the West Coast of America and in Europe. Um, but, and that developed much more much more clearly once I became a senior associate. And then once I was thinking about that, then you think, well, how would I market this business? How would I build it? And then you, you, you build from there. And so that was probably when I was thinking seriously about it, probably three years before I, I got promoted when I was sort of planning, and that was very rough. Kind of like, well, if I, if I got an opportunity, what would it look like? Yeah. How would I go from there? Um, and then in terms of the actual process of kind of right, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a run for this, I'm gonna put my put my throw my hat in the ring. That was probably um a, a much shorter period, really, sort of eight to twelve months before the before the final final day. And you mentioned making it known that you are interested in this. How did you go about actually doing that? And uh, were there any key requirements that you needed to have met before being eligible for the promotion? I, I think it depends on the business, on the practice group in the firm. Different groups have different ways of working out who their future partners are going to be. Um, in a perfect world, it becomes apparent just naturally. People sort of, you know, emerge um, from the from the crowd in a way with a kind of interesting idea or an interesting business, or particularly driven in one certain way or another. Um, for me, I was lucky. I had some very, very, very helpful and very supportive mentors um, and latterly sponsors who looked after me and advised me on how to, you know, broaden my exposure within the wider practice. Because you can spend a long time working with a, a relatively small group of people. And then you do need to then explain what you're offering to the wider practice um, and, and, and show how you would be, how you would 
build and grow what's already there and that needs contact and that then so that that would that I was given advice by those people to help me do that and just for for the audience because i think the terms of mentors and sponsors mm. when you're in university in particular yeah. i i had heard about mentors but yeah. not about sponsors yeah, yeah so i was wondering if you could explain what the difference is and how each of them helps you throughout your career yes yeah, so a, spon a sponsor is uh, and, and, and it, to, put, to be honest it, it varies from firm to firm and they and different people have different ways of looking at it so it might not even be um entirely consistent within this firm how people look at these things but um mentors are in my mind are people you have throughout your life um are people you trust not necessarily within your your business so i have some mentors from outside the firm i have some mentors who are junior to me so reverse mentors uh, and um some who are senior to me senior but all before and they are effectively coaches or um or, or, or trusted advisors critical friends who say well that's an interesting idea but ultimately you know that business line i've seen people try to do that that's probably not going to be very easy to do have you thought about this okay sponsors uh, are a slightly more formal uh, arrangement where in order to become a partner you need to be sponsored by um one or two sometimes three um individuals in the business who say yes i will vouch for this person i would like to put them forward it's a slightly um old-fashioned element of the way the process used to run where you'd it, it, a bit like in the old days where you have clubs and you have sponsors and seconders okay. and proposers and all that um it, it they, they don't usually your sponsors will be part of your mentors you might have you might you might want to bring in a, a, a sponsor from somewhere else to kind of talk to a, a different part of your business but it's not something to focus on too much i think to the people listening today it's that focus on finding really good mentors who are going to like call you out and stuff and say no i'm your friend and i can tell you that's a bad idea those are the people you're looking for so how do you go about finding them how did you go about finding your mentors i was i i, I mean it's it, the easiest way is to really just be social i found you know i was okay. quite social in the group and i kind of got around and, and met people as best i can and 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 then it's a kind of it's a connection thing it's a, you know you could find the most qualified person in the area that you find most fascinating but if you don't gel if you don't connect you're not going to get the best out of each other at worst yeah. you're going to annoy each other and get <laughs> bad advice or, or bad, have a bad relationship yeah. now luckily there are relatively few instances of that in in our firm as as far as i'm aware um but the best and the most productive uh, mentor mentee relationships are ones of trust and friendship um and that can be a slightly odd feeling at first particularly in a business environment where someone much more senior to you is 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 your mentor um but it, it's a it's something to really persevere with and to say you know look actually i and i i was i was honest with some with at least one or two of the people i i went to i said look actually i i really think what you're doing and how you're doing it is is really impressive and i i i i love the kind of the approach you're taking i'd love to chat a bit more about how you do that and how i might bring that to what i'm doing and then it You, you you test it out and you, you feel your way and eventually you come to a point where you've got, okay, this is my team of people. And I go to different people for different things. Um, okay. So I would, um, there would be certain bits of advice I'd go to for one person and others um, that I'd go to for for, 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 uh, for other kind of other, other kind of topics or approaches. So is it more kind of you are actively looking at the people who, I don't know, are doing something that you're interested in and then trying to connect with them? Or let's say, can you meet someone at networking events or? I think I it's know. more being open and present. And 
working out in and of yourself the areas where you feel you're strong and there's where you feel you're not so strong and seeing how you might bridge those gaps and finding ways to test whether or not you're right when you think you're strong in certain areas. I used to think I was strong in certain certain aspects of things and people would say, oh no, you, you're, not, you're not very good at that at all. You know? <laughs> like, you, oh, definitely, you definitely <laughs> help there. Um, and so you take a different view. And I think that is where, um, you know, just being open and frank with people and saying, look, actually, I'm finding I'm finding it difficult to get my arms around this issue, or I don't know how I would, you know, get get in front of a client to talk about this. How did you do it when you were at my level? And then okay. seeing those kind of open conversations where and, and and my experience is that most people are flattered to be to be consulted because you know we're all human beings and we all like to feel that we can contribute in some way. At least I, I, that's the ideal. Um, and so if you're polite and, and, and open and helpful, um, it, it's, it's only for the better. Uh, and so that, that I think you, that, that's, the, that, that's what I, at least what I did. Um, and you get some people who are very directive about it as well. They will literally sit down and work out, okay, these are the five senior people who have done the things I've done. I'm going to go get them. sit down and get them. And it's like, sort of, you know, some sort of slightly weird Pokemon. But, you know, you have this <laughs> sort of strange, strange arrangement, which that can work. And if the people you're approaching think about life in the same way as you with lists and are, 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 are kind of analytical in that way, then you'll probably gel in that way and you'll probably find success. I think though a, a kind of more open and organic approach yields more interesting results because you're not quite certain who's going to be the person who's going to really like yeah. move the needle for you and say, actually, have you thought about doing this way? Um, because otherwise, you, there's the risk that you have an echo chamber of people who are a bit like you. Yeah, just and in, a, in a bubble. It, exactly, and you just, you, you just, it's just confirmation bias at that point. You get lots of people saying this, things back to you, and you don't, you don't devolve. Um, and it's that, it's that evolution that you're seeking in, in, in reaching out to people. I find at least. Okay, and uh, about your experience on the West Coast, I did want to ask what it was like to be a second D there, and actually, how long were you there for? So I was there for just over a year, um, from sort of early 2015 through to through to 16, um, and it was. A fascinating and experience. I was very lucky to have it. Um, a particularly unusual second because I was actually seconded to another law firm, um, yeah. a firm called Fenwick and West, who are a um, technology boutique based in um, Silicon Valley and San Francisco, not the Bay Area. Um, and we've, as a firm, have always had a very close relationship with them. We haven't um, sought to open on the West Coast, and and so where we do work over there we work hand in hand with them and similarly when their clients in the valley seek to go abroad we are um sort of plug and play international network for them um so it makes sense to go to them but it's unusual because normally our comments um are either internal around the world or to a client where the client yeah. gets basically uh, a a no lawyer um, yeah. in their team um so it was it was an interesting experience working at an american firm um which is a very different style in some ways to the way we do work in the uk uh and it was an interesting experience to be um have got to a relatively senior level i was a senior associate when i went over okay. um uh, but then actually to no longer be qualified in the jurisdiction i was working in yeah um and i would frequently be in the room and it, it would be all californian law 
points um and you'd think well what am i going to contribute here and it does make you assess you know how you are useful in on deals and in, to clients and you work out that you are actually pretty 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 useful once you've been at the I, i'd for, like to think that the experience yeah. gains so yeah. i mean I, I think i think you know you you once you've seen the, the number of deals you get under your belt by that point in your career here and the complexity of the stuff that we do again is is a, another level to what what um what many other people get to see and so we um it, it, you you rapidly work out how what your what your usp is and i think that was an important process for me because it made marketing myself which is a thing which i think lawyers as a rule we're not it's not our happy place uh, you know of going out and saying well you need to get me to do this for you because of x y and z um that it really made me focus on that a bit more and the americans yeah. are very good at doing that as well um and, you know i my yeah. uh, you know well, uh, the marketing my, yeah basically I, I, sorry there yeah my, my 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 partner is american and he is he is he, i've learned a lot from him uh, in terms of in terms of that that kind of thing as well he's very good at saying you know this is how you know this is how you should put yourself forward and that's a very american lawyer way of doing things in a way not necessarily we do in the, well we don't necessarily do it in the same way over here and that, that yeah. was a very interesting experience Wider than that, just working in the valley, um, being right at the heart of doing stuff for the likes of, you know, the Facebooks, the HPs of this world. Um, and they are very, obviously, very globally focused people. So immediately that made a lot of sense to me. And I, I immediately saw how I was useful to, to clients like that. Um, and it's um, that effectively made is, is the foundations on which I built my the business plan that I took home and then put to the business to, to, for promotion. So is this something you would recommend that people do before they become partners? And I don't mean just a secondment with a different firm, but maybe just an international secondment or maybe a client secondment. I think I think definitely one of the above is important. Um, yeah. You, it is a long career, um, uh, you know, and, and it, it's. I am. I am only ten years into it, and it, it says there's still a lot. Uh, I hope a lot to go. Um, and if you just do one thing in one office um, for that entire time, you will learn a lot, and you'll get enormous, enormous depth of experience. But that ability to understand and the empathy you can have for your clients by understanding either a different jurisdiction very very well and then speak fluently to it um or um understanding what it's like to be in-house um and to understand you know for an in-house lawyer it's a very different experience because your clients are all around you all the time um which is very different to what you, you experience as a, as a private practice lawyer uh all of that is enriches your experience and therefore makes you a better advisor and ultimately that's what we're doing i mean the, the law is at the heart of everything we do but ultimately we're valuable to our clients by being that that kind of the the hand on the shoulder the trusted advisor the one that says no no don't worry it's this way i know the way um and that that really you can't well, it's not that you can't do it, but you, it's there's so much so, so so much more depth in having that experience. That is definitely very true. And one thing I was wondering about becoming a partner, mm. because people tend to say, and probably there is truth to it, you'll you'll tell us, is that becoming a partner requires obviously a lot of hard work, but mm -hmm. also a, a lot of personal sacrifices. Mm -hmm. So I, I was wondering whether this is something that you also experienced. It's a it's it's a tough job. Um, I mean, I think I think the job throughout the firm is 
demanding. You know, I, I, I had times as a trainee where I thought oh, this is the most demanding thing I've ever been asked to do, and then I became an associate. Um, so there, there, it's demand across the piece, and it, and and so I, I think you get used to that kind of level of intensity, um, and and one of the things you have to learn as you go through is ways that you deal with that, um, and everyone's different in that regard. So by the time I got to the point of starting my run for partnership, I had a number of methods of dealing with the with stress and with um, the demand and like you know triaging the demands from clients and family and you know loved ones. Um, uh, but it was yes, the mo- that the twelve months in the lead up were probably the most demanding of my professional career to date and the success at the end of it is by far and away the most satisfying moment of my professional career to date uh, and i think that's kind of that that's what what do you expect i mean the best the best and most interesting opportunities are often the ones that you do have to work very very hard for um personal sacrifice is an interesting one because it's obviously that's going to be very that's going to be relative you know, was i you know out at um out dancing every night and you know every the, friday catch, night just hitting the london clubbing scene shirt, yeah exactly every <laughs> shirt the theater i wanted to see every day no absolutely not there were long nights there were definitely there were long nights um difficult calls difficult trips where you get up and you're in the middle of the night and you're rushing around the world to try and get something done and you juggling several different things and you're at the same time thinking about well am i proving myself as a potential partner a potential leader of this business you look around the talented people around you and you think you know i'm trying to become one of the people that leads this enormously sophisticated enormously talented group of people and they're all working as hard as 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 possible and it's quite daunting Um, and i think you learn that a lot of that kind of pressure you put on, is put on by yourself to a certain extent and okay. you know there's a lot of external forces but you learn how to how to deal with that and so for me uh, exercise is very important i had i was religious about being having it in my, it was in my diary that i had time blocked out to go work out and i you know invested in someone to you know, work out with me and that was very very important Every, other people have different things other people were sac- going to the theater twice a week actually was sacred to them because that was yeah. when they would go you know and, and just relax and, and you yeah. have your method and i think you do for that year you do say right and i said to you know my my loved ones this is going to be a tough year i'm not going to be as present as i would want to be because this is my focus for this period of time and 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 you and you, you address that i think and so yes you sacrifices yes but they were knowing ones which um in retrospect i was happy happy to happy to do um and i think that we're also very conscious about the the stress it can place on you so the firm I had um, a, a few, a number of people I could talk to internally and externally, um, professional counsellors, uh, not in terms of like, um, not not uh, necessarily focus on mental health, but more on kind of like how do I want to present myself? You know, how how are you dealing with the stress? How are you focused on um, on, on delivering this particular message and challenging that? Um, one one um, taught me a number of breathing exercises to to get ready for before, before interviews, and you know, you'll find, yeah. your, you find yourself naturally doing a Superman pose and breathing very quietly. <laughs> and I said, "How have I got I to do this? this?" Yeah, I mean, it's got a strange position. I want, it seemed like yesterday I was at law school, and now I'm now I'm doing breath work. Um, but it's um, it, it, you you realize quite how lucky you are to be in a um a very kind of an institution has all of this, 
all this all these tools to bring to the fore and help. And it's in the firm's interest to do that because they're trying to create the best people to lead the yeah. business and to make it and help it evolve. And so, so um, it was a tough year. I'm glad I didn't have to do it again. Um, uh, but um, it, worth the investment. Um, I'm happy I did it. And I'm sure the advice on how to manage it is also helpful because many times I think the first times when you feel overwhelmed, you panic yes. and then you just don't do anything. Yes. Um, and and just having some tools that are that are useful to other people kind of help you discover your own methods as well. And I was wondering now, looking back at the intake that you started with, um, how many people, or roughly, obviously, I'm not expecting an exact number. I have a list. <laughs> uh, roughly, how many people have chosen the partner rate? And out of those that have chosen a different career path, mm. what are some of the more common ones? So in my partner class, of May May of this year, um, there were three or four people from my my trainee intake who were so, which is actually quite a good a good average. That sounds like um, very good. It was, like a, very um, good it was a high, yeah, and it was, it was maybe a little higher than normal, but um, a few of us stuck it out um, yeah. and uh, made it through the financial crisis, made it through Brexit. <laughs> we're still here. Um, I'm very proud of the whole thing, um, and they are good friends and colleagues who I have known and worked with and been at law school with. Um, and it's very satisfying to see them do so well. Um, I, obviously, and it's no, it's no secret that every firm is built this way. The model expects people to go off and do fabulous other things. Um, it's a, it is actually a, I think a, a PayPal, um, slogan, but one which I come back to, which, you know, the, the, the firm should be a great place to be, but also a great place to be from. And that <laughs> it's you... A very, that's a very know, nice one. I'll, I'll remember it. it. Yeah, no, it's, and it's true. It should be. And you should be proud. And I think most people, I hope, are, are proud of the time they spent with the firm um, doing what they've done and, and use that. And so I think from other, other, there's obviously a lot of people who've gone in-house and are very, very senior people uh, within in-house legal teams and are building businesses with their colleagues hand in hand, you know, very, very directive on that. Other people have gone to other firms and have excelled within those firms and have sought partnership there. And then you get some people who, um, and I say this, maybe not the minority, well, yes, definitely a minority, but but a growing minority, which is a good thing, of people who take their legal qualification and don't necessarily leave the law, but use it to different ends. And I, I, I think my generation of lawyers is hopefully one of the last that is reluctant to cease, sort of cease being a, a, a practicing lawyer. Yeah. Uh, Americans are much better at this, actually. They say, you know, you've got your law qualifications like a language, you then go off and run a run a company. Um, and, I guess speaking legalese is kind of important. Well, it's a, exactly. It's a translation thing. Um, yeah. And it's also you learn that actually understanding the risks in a business allow you to navigate them you know, much more in a much more sophisticated fashion, um, and that's that's what we do. We manage we we manage that, um, and so some people have gone to run businesses. Other, you know, uh, and some um, some have gone and to start their own kind of arrangements with people, um, and some have gone completely into different areas of the world and 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 started working in the arts and are, are very happy for it. But actually, yeah. still to this day, I was chatting to one friend of mine who went into work in. Um, uh, in effectively fashion, um, fashion and design, okay. and they are a as a of, as a fashion designer as a head of operations okay. um, uh, for a number of very sort of household names in the fashion industry um, yeah. for their companies. Uh, 
but that individual is still when an, uh, a confidentiality agreement or a, or a <laughs> you know a servicing arrangement comes in, they say, well. You were a lawyer, weren't you? You can look at it. <laughs> you like, need to know I, how it I works. I've been a lawyer for eight years, and I don't <laughs> intend to pick this this particular document up on this on this occasion. So it's um, it is a marvelous foundation to do any number of different things, and I would commend um that experience to to anyone that's interested in the way things work. It's that kind of impulse that law law scratches. And what do you think are some of the more common reasons why people choose a different career path? Uh, I, th I think the, the the nicest reason, probably the most common reason, is coming from somewhere like A&O, is the amount of opportunity that's presented to you in the outside world um, is 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 very significant. So you do have people coming to you and saying, well, if we could get an ex A&O person doing this, that would be fantastic. Okay. And so it's a it's a seller's market in that respect. So I think that's frequently people, you, you start getting calls from recruiters, um, and I say, I say this as someone that doesn't necessarily want my team to be recruited. <laughs> um, but from the point at which you qualify, you start receiving these calls. Um, and some options are good, some options are less good. Um, it's well documented that people start looking at the uh, what the American firms bring to the table, and that's a challenge which all English firms face. Yeah. There are also people who decide that they that the work life balance they are seeking can be better. Um, provided by a different method of working. And sometimes that's in-house, sometimes that's more contract-focused, like our peer point um, lawyers who are, uh, can you could do one hour, two hour, two days, three days, whatever it's going to be. Um, and I think that's the interesting development in the market that's certainly changed since I qualified, is that the multiplicity of options just wasn't there. It was, you know, when I was, when I qualified, the options were, you know, go in-house, yeah. traditionally at a big bank, um, because <laughs> they, they had the biggest legal teams. Yeah. Um, go um, in to just stop and do something you've always dreamed of doing and just stop the law or go to a different firm, either an American one or a firm that's um, in a slightly different area of the market. And and now that that is that is very very different there's you know lots of different approaches and lots of different styles you know work, you know i know lots of people who have been really interested in these new roles in the sort of fast moving startups that we see in the uk or and and they they go into that as a head of ops for example a coo with the gc hat on as well and so that's their kind of transition out of law because the company doesn't have enough money for both a gc and a head of ops and ultimately a lot of what a gc does is operational yeah. um and so that is a new career that's starting I have, I have two or three yeah. two or three um associates um that are, I, I know well um who have now left to do that kind of role um okay. so lots of different lots of different options so what, if anything, can be done to make partnership even more accessible and appealing in this world of, you know, new types of working styles, new flexible working arrangements? And yeah, um, I mean, accessibility is a, a, a and uh, equal opportunity to the way I probably see it is, is absolutely essential. Um, it's well documented that we, that akin to all firms, are, are challenged by the number of women we have in the partnership um, as a gay man. And it's very important to me that you know that I, I I'm a visible person for the LGBTQ community. Um, there are not enough people of color in the partnership, and these are all challenges which you have to own up to, um, and you address in a number of different ways. I think my partnership class is the first it is, it has the most part time partners in it, so that okay. the the idea that you what could is have, a part time partner? So it's a, a partner who is not expected to be in the office for 
whichever days of the week they're not working it's okay. so they, they are working a three-day week for example um yeah. and that works for some people doesn't work for others um and it works better in some groups and then people can work, work it around the way they want to work um uh we also have our first advanced delivery partner so the head of fuse shruti um she she is she comes to the table bringing with a very different model uh, that so she's not going out there doing deals she's doing that she's delivering our tech hub which is you know essential to the future of our business as we see it um and so we are opening up the idea that partner well partnership that used to be slightly more traditional sort of slightly more dusty um concept from uh, way back when to well actually why can't you have a partner that's working three days a week and why can't you have uh, a, a different area of the business that generates cash in a different way being led by a partner these are all absolutely conversations we need to be having and then there's also a piece around talking to the people who are four or five years out. We talked about um, when did I start thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You know, it needs to be, you need to be having conversations with people five years away from promotion and saying, well, why, if you don't want to do it, that's fine, as I said, but why not? Is it because you feel that it's not open to you or is it because there's something else that you really want to be doing? Um, and if there is, well, why don't you do that thing? Why is that, why don't we, why don't we make that happen? Um, and the beauty of a partnership as a as a legal model is we have an enormous flexibility to do what we want with the business as long as the partners agree to do it. Yeah. And so we can move actually surprisingly quickly, much more much more quickly than a corporation can, to say, well, let's do that. Let's see if it works. Here's the budget. Go make it work. Um, and Shruti is a shining example of that. And what she's done with Fuse is is, is something we're all incredibly proud of. Um, and the more we see of that, the better. So it's that conversation, I think, early on, you know, and understanding. Just be why. an ongoing. Yeah. And people need, to, need be, to keep an open mind. It needs to be pervasive. It needs to be, it, it, it needs to be, you know, if you are going to a meeting and you don't have a, a broad mix of people on your team in that meeting, then why don't you have that? You know, yeah. If there's a good reason, you know, if half your team's ill or whatever it is, <laughs> then then fine. But if um, but you need to be having that conversation with yourself, not it's oh we just need to we we must fix this in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. No, do it now. It's mm -hmm. now's the time. That's. I mean, that's encouraging, I would say, for me and for our listeners to hear that this is the approach that the firm is taking now to this kind of issues, yeah. uh, which have been all over the press, especially more course, recently. As they should be. And before we move on to uh, the three off-the-wall questions, I was wondering if you had any final remarks or advice for our listeners. I'd say uh, drink up as much of the experience as you can at university before engaging with your legal career and then really look at the wider legal market and how it's developing and, and what what the options are for you it's an enormously satisfying job and one which has given me a good 12 to how many years it is now of experience and insights and um highs and lows i would say the more you can think about the the where you want where you want your legal career to take you the richer an experience you're going to have and hopefully you'll 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 pick the right firm and hopefully it'll be us <laughs> <laughs> that that's very nice and thank you very much and now moving on to um well the off the wall part of the interview excellent um so i don't think you'll expect this kind of questions but hopefully i lived in california try me <laughs> <laughs> and because i was thinking about your background okay. and oh. about your interest in technology so especially the, the two main questions here are very much related to that. So I was wondering, 
Um, if you could put your consciousness in a robot mm -hmm. and live indefinitely, would you? And why? Why not? I think that was one of the plot lines in years and years that was on television recently. Um, yeah, this, these are all very like years and years, yes. black mirror type questions. Yeah, exactly. Do I do I want robot will um, out there? No, actually, I, I like I like the finite. I, I like the I like the fact you know that's. Perhaps one of the things that drives me is that you, you have a certain amount of time and you, you want to fill it with as many wonderful, beautiful things and people um, as you possibly can. And I think if I knew that I could keep um, pressing pause or popping myself into a different computer, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I'd also worry about what the level of tech support would be in the, <laughs> in the next hundred years or so. I mean, technology is moving quickly, but perhaps not quick enough for me to be a robot just yet. Probably. Uh, actually, have you seen Altered Carbon? No, I haven't. It is this Netflix show. It's about it's, oh, it's about people that yeah, kind of ad. upload yeah. upload their consciousness, and there are many things going wrong yeah. with keeping like uh, keep switching yeah. bodies and that's the thing. It, and, a lot and, of tech support needed and, there. I think. And if I if I got hacked or something, and that's <laughs> that just going to be deeply embarrassing. So no, I, I think uh, I'll, I'll keep this body for now. <laughs> Thank you. Um, which leads me into the next question, which is what options would you want to come up? If you could right click on people, if I could right click on people, um, I mean, I think I, I think the question in and of itself, and it's not a judgment of you, is somewhat creepy. Um, <laughs> so I think any answer is arguably going to sound pretty creepy. Um, and a, a an honesty filter is, as a lawyer, is something which would be very very useful. Um, and uh, a even if you could just say, if, if you could, if, if the one question you could get out of someone was that, did you really mean that? I think that would Ooh, be a, yeah. that would be a very helpful thing because I think too very many true. people say things either because they think they ought to say them or because they haven't thought about it. Um, that would be very useful. I think um, having, being able to right click on myself and being able to um, rewind a bit, that would be very helpful. Um, but uh, sadly- I don't know if it were that way. I think you would need to get a friend to be yes. like, you know, just to be there and be like, just rewind Exactly, and then there's, there's a trust issue there as well. Like what if yeah. you rewind too far? So um, again, uh, I th but I, th I, think, I think anything anything that allows us to unfilter ourselves, I think would probably be a, be a helpful thing. But but that can probably be achieved, um, you know, other ways as well. So. <laughs> Very true. Which leads me to the last question, okay. which is a bit less creepy. Actually, that's good. Much that's a, more. Let's leave, let's leave the <laughs> listeners with something less creepy. <laughs> exactly. And I was think I was hoping that we would leave them with a recommendation for a book or a film, a, mu a some music or a cultural recommendation from you. From me. Um, well, I've already just mentioned years and years, which is the thing I've been thinking about a lot recently. Just well, because we said it's... it won't be creepy this question. So, I mean, that's that's heartwarming at the end. I think um, uh, more just uh, more just, but a bit, but quite quite distressing as you get through it. I don't know. There's um, I um, I I go back to albums I listened to in the back seat of my father's car when I was younger. And that's usually the, there's a couple of albums by Supertramp, um, which okay. age me uh, quite a lot. I am actually, I, you know, I know most, most, of, most of our listeners, I suspect, are much younger than I am. But at 37, that's still not, um, Supertramp's not necessarily what most of my peers listen to. But I would, um, I, I would uh, it's probably Breakfast in America as an album is, is one of the ones I'd, I'd go for. Um, it's full of hope and acknowledgement that 
going through um childhood and and the early days of of your life um comes with a certain amount of doubt um yeah. and as you start off on your on this kind of your career i think that's an area where knowing that actually things happen pretty pretty well if you put your mind to it and are calm and kind of take a deep breath that those are all things which are really good to be reminded of i mean that's a very upbeat way of ending the podcast do my best (laughs) (laughs) please we're not all creepy here at ano exactly and thank you very much for joining us today it's been it's been a pleasure talking to you and i'm sure our listeners have found your advice and your insights incredibly valuable thank you very much great pleasure thank you homie thank you Don't forget to tune in for our next episode in which we will discuss written applications and skills tests, which are any candidate's first opportunity to really make a good impression and stand out from the crowd. And in helping me break down all the questions and figure out how to best answer them, I will have two of our current trainees, Lee Turner and Lawrence Ridgway, who both went through this exact same process, as well as uh, one of our graduate recruitment specialists, Emma Barker. Thank you all for listening. And remember to follow us on social media and check the graduate website. We have a lot of interesting content that we're posting regularly. See you all next time. Thank you.